0: I've really enjoyed my traveling to Scotland, to Yorkshire, to Wales. It's been nice to get away from routine and things that can prey on your mind. Um, I'm back home now, um, but there is a twist in terms of potentially more traveling, uh, which you will find out at the end of this show. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm just a normal guy. Well, at least I was until my son killed himself. Now, nothing is normal and I'm realising that nothing ever was normal and nothing will ever be normal again but thank you for joining me on my argument with grief you would have heard from my recent blogs that I spent quite a bit of time travelling and recording my thoughts as I went along I enjoyed that opportunity to live with my thoughts and I hope I was able to project them through my recordings and my recent episodes I think I'll always be a traveller a rolling stone as I put it, the rest of my life is down to me to map out now, but travelling will be a big part of it. Ben was the same, and I want to be a bit more like him. Yesterday, for example, was a tougher day, but I generally try and be like Ben as much as I can. He would have seen the good and the fun in a lot of things. I can't bring him back, so I just have to embrace things that make me feel closer to him. This is a complete change from the pushing away phase that I was in. It hasn't suddenly changed, it's been gradual, and still hasn't totally flipped just yet, but a large part of the last month or so has been that shifting back to him, and everything I loved about him. And I have been asked, just a few times, what can other parents do to prevent this from happening? There were a number of reasons for Ben's suicide but most of them were just what I call significant factors. There was the one clear indication that he gave in his notes and is the reason for the date that it happened, that he couldn't face telling me that he had failed. What advice can I give other parents? Don't measure your children by the success that you want for them. Let them define what is happiness and success and support them in finding that. Make sure they have a support network around them that isn't just you. Understand what pressure really means for them. Because it's easy for you with your greater life experiences to brush it off. Pick up the phone. Please just pick up the phone and talk to them. It's kind of ironic that some parents are asking me what lessons have I learnt considering I've pretty much failed as a parent. What the hell do I know about parenting? Why are you listening to the podcast of a man who doesn't know how to parent? What do you think you're going to get from this? I can't tell you how to fix suicide. I'm not here to fix suicide. I don't actually believe suicide can really be fixed. I work with some great charities like Papyrus and Calm who are making great efforts in what they call suicide prevention. I'm sure there are things I can do, but I'm not the expert on that. I'm the expert on what it is like to go through this hell, to get that call telling you your son has killed himself. I am an expert on that now. I wish I never was, but I am, and I'm going to keep telling you everything I know about it. I can tell you what it's like every single day to wake up wishing there was a way you could change places with your son. My son had far more to offer the world than I ever could. If I had any sort of a relationship with God, I'd ask for that. Interestingly, I notice how few of the other survivors I come across are religious. Why is that? Did bringing up our children without a religion make them more susceptible to suicide? I so hope not, but it is now one of my fears. You would have heard the wonderful views of my friend Tim in a previous podcast about the power of religion and spirituality. Things I want to explore further but there does seem to be a clear lack of religion amongst many of the survivors I talked to. Now is not the time to jump to conclusions on this. I will explore it further in future episodes and would welcome your views on this. Last week we lost our poor cat. He had an accident. Someone kindly took him to the vets and the vets then rang us to say he hadn't survived his accident. It's just a cat, but having to sit the kids down on that same sofa again and see the looks on their faces when I say we have some bad news. All the memories of that day five months ago come flooding back. I can't do any more of that. They can't take any more of that. Ben's mum is today doing an interview for ITV about young suicide and lockdown. We still get a steady stream of journalists wanting to explore our story. We're naturally wary of the angles they're looking for, but we've become quite adept at dealing with them and have agreed between ourselves the things we will and won't talk about. She did an interview for the BBC a few months ago that was really good, so I know she will do Ben proud today and deliver a strong message. Anything that highlights our cause can be a good thing. It's my daughter's birthday today, uh, 11. Um, I, I three sons uh, and one daughter. It reminds me of of what she's been through. Um, the obvious, uh, of course, but there, there's been more. in In her short life, she's been through the the death of a, a great-grandparent, a grandparent, and a brother. Um, I don't think I could have coped with any one of those at her age. Um, she's bloody tough. But I feel so sorry that, so far, this seems to be the life I've given her. What else has happened in my world since we last did a proper episode? Three major things, to be honest. Firstly, as you know, I was struggling to deal with the final notes that Ben left for us on his phone. I'd read them once when we first received them a few months ago, and then couldn't face them again for two whole months. I finally managed to deal with them a few weeks ago, with the help of my wonderful counsellor. They are terrible. They are his thoughts, right up to his last few minutes. They cover how he had to change his method because of a date issue. How he'd bottled out of it a few times and now knew it was his last chance to do it. I can't read these notes without breaking down. But I've learned to accept that they exist, that he wanted us to read them and that I can't change them. I'm now embracing the fact that I have them at all. That he chose to write this stuff down and ensure that we get access to it. It would be worse if he hadn't left them. Secondly, as I hinted at before, my redundancy has been completed. I'm now unemployed, though I don't feel it. It's bittersweet because I was lucky to work for a good company with so many nice people, but it couldn't have come at a better time. My mind would never have let me return to full-time work again. My obligations to Ben's legacy mean I need time to focus on other things. Two weeks after walking out of my A-levels 33 years ago, I started working at a bank in London. I hadn't stopped since. Now I have. Though to be fair, furlough had already given me a good practice run. I don't really know what the future holds. And I don't really care. I'm going to start letting life happen to me instead of trying to control it. Though ask me again when the money runs out and I may have a different answer. My third big news is a follow-on from redundancy. I said I wanted to use my skills to start talking to groups of people about the things close to my heart, suicide prevention, mental health awareness, etc. And I've started off down that road. I'm registered as a corporate speaker with a company who specialise in this sort of thing and a few weeks ago I had my first gig, as I think they call these things. It was World Suicide Awareness Day and a major British telecoms company wanted someone to talk to their staff about what this meant. So jointly with an associate who has been down the dark suicide path we presented an online session around our two stories. It was really tough to talk about real facts and events that I had recently gone through, but I felt so elated afterwards. Felt as though I was doing what Ben wanted me to do. Now I'm determined to do a lot more of this and want to spend much of my time doing them. In conclusion, I've always liked simple solutions to problems. Logical ones. I spent a lot of my career solving things with simple ideas. Maybe now that I'm not following that career anymore, I'm able to open up my mind to the fact that it isn't always that simple. I reached a strange juxtaposition in terms of accepting Ben's death. Not long ago, I couldn't accept this position. It had to be one or the other, not both. Now, I'm starting to live with both. Firstly, as I've explained before, so much of the logic around why he did it comes back to where my eldest son pointed me to all those months ago. It was his rational, adult decision. I've spent a lot of time and energy trying and hoping prove that wrong I didn't want such a simple answer but now through a good body of evidence his letters his notes on his computer and on his phone and the inquest report it is clear how true that is and I'm learning to accept it but secondly there is the conviction particularly amongst parents I suspect that it must be our fault we must have caused this And likewise, I have spent a lot of time and energy trying to prove or disprove this too. Again, much of the evidence we have suggests this is not the case for Ben. But I can't accept that. I know that if I picked up the phone to him, said the right things to him, listened to him, I could have saved his life. I know that. But the point I'm making is that I'm learning to let these two theories sit side by side. Firstly that it was his clear decision, secondly that I could have saved him. For months I didn't believe I could accept both logics, now I can. I get the impression some people are running out of patience for me, expecting me to move on, get over things, go back to normal. It's not their fault, I would probably be the same. But this is me now, I'm not normal, I don't want to be normal. My life has changed and this is now who I am. If that isn't who you want, then I'm not going to change for you. I'm sorry. When I write these episodes, I often think of the people I originally aimed this podcast at, the parents of young adults who had taken their own lives. I was aiming at them because I had something in common with them and something to say to them. Since then, I know that we have gained listeners for many other reasons, and I'm so grateful for that. But I still write a lot of this stuff for that original target audience, just because I feel we're a special group, I've mentioned before that I belong to an online group for survivors and how shocked I am still that there are new members every day. Lately, I have been taking a slightly more active role in this group, not being afraid to express my opinions, trying to offer some comfort to others. I find it really helps. You're not gonna believe this, but I'm going traveling again. And, And I know you've listened to me traveling around Scotland and Yorkshire and Wales, uh, and hopefully you enjoyed um, you know, the opportunity it gave me to, to have some thoughts that I, that I tried to get into words for the podcast but yes, I'm going traveling again I'm going to head to Spain for a while it's a chance to reboot myself, if that makes any sense it's a chance for me to concentrate on developing the ideas in my life that I need to develop um, redundancy is now done and dusted and I've got ideas of things I want to do this podcast is one of those things I need the chance to just get away from a lot of routine life and concentrate on getting all that stuff right so I'm doing that and again I suspect that's going to give me the chance to think and create more material that I hope will be interesting for some more episodes Um, and hopefully all you'll hear them in the coming months um, we intend to keep pushing out episodes, covering everything that I'm going through uh, and the other issues that we're, we're closely looking at at the moment. Even though you're forever on my heart I miss your loving soul You're glowing and Join me next time on My Argument With Grief.